get ready to peel back the layers of fruity goodness with It's Bananas, the podcast where we build an appetite for juicy living. And pleasure, fun, joy, and connection await with each succulent bite. It's deep, it's delicious, and it's bananas. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snack Time here on It's Bananas. This is Becky, also known as the Fruit Maven. Today, as always, we're going to look at what's on my mind and what's on my table. I don't know about you, but I have had a week, y'all. I Everyone I talk to has. It has been a week. Nothing super crazy, but it's basically felt like Monday every single day. Yay! One bright spot, though, was uh, I go into, I work from home mostly, but I go into my office on once a week, and when I walked into the kitchen at my work, regularly there are bowls of fruit from people uh, who grow them from trees at their home. We have a small team, but it seems we have a few great gardeners. So this week, I went in and there were two bowls. One was packed full of passion fruit, and the bowl right next to it was nearly empty, except it had one lone single fig in the middle of it. I should have taken a picture because I it felt very much like someone had wanted to take all of them but then like maybe felt guilty and just put one back like because it wasn't it wasn't casual. It was like sitting there perfectly prim in the middle of the bowl. Just sitting on its little bulbous bottom straight up in the center of the bowl. Anyway, I started laughing and of course I had to have it. So that is what is on my table today. The single lonely fig that I saved from my work kitchen. But to start with our discussion today, I need to tell you a big secret about the fig. The fig is not a fruit. I know, it's going to be on the show today. It's bananas, but a fig is actually an inverted flower, or more specifically, an inverted pocket of flowers. So if you cut it open, It actually looks like there are little strings inside, and each of those little strings or threads is a flower. And the flowers bloom inside of this little fleshy receptacle instead of blooming on the outside. So each small fleshy thread in the fig is a flower. It carries a seed, and then those little seeds become individual fruits. So it's a little bulbous bag of fruits. So it is fruit within the bar, like it fits on its bananas, of course, but it is not a singular fruit the way that we think it is. It's a bag of flowers and then a bag of fruits. It's very pretty. The one I have, and I of course don't know what varieties this is because it was just sitting on the table. It's very similar to what you'd find at the grocery store though. It's a common fig. It's dark purple with little hints of like green striation and it's like a peachy pink color inside. They can vary inside from kind of a pale salmony pink to a very bright, vibrant pink. This one's kind of a peachy pink and it has off-white strings. Right away, I'm just gonna start rating this fruit. I'm gonna give it a four out of five for appearance. We're just gonna rate this fruit as we go today because I have a lot of stories to tell about it and I just wanna get right into it. So, we've got a fleshy receptacle I actually, okay, I love that phrase. I I grabbed it from somewhere. I think it was actually talking about strawberries, which are also kind of the opposite of this, actually. They have um, all their fruit and the little seeds on the outside, whereas the fig has all their fruits on the inside. But anyway, so we've got back to the fig. We have a fleshy receptacle that blooms internally. Let's talk about, though, how is it possible 
for these flowers to actually get pollinated and thrive, not that I know anything about gardening, let's get this out of the way, I have a brown thumb, I mean, I can keep things like succulents alive because they require very little of me. I also have a ficus that has lasted for a pretty long time and it's pretty-ish. I'm not gonna put pic I'm not gonna put pictures because you'll be like, mm, that ficus needs help. I can keep plants alive, okay? I keep a child alive. Oh, and we're gonna get a puppy. That's news. That's brand new news. So I'm gonna keep this puppy alive as well. I'm sure she's gonna come up on future episodes because a little bundle of pure joy is basically arriving on my door. However, for now, we are talking about the fig and how it gets pollinated because. It's a bit of a love story for the ages. It's a romantic drama in the making. I mean, <laughs> if you're someone who likes the kind of romances like Romeo and Juliet where everyone dies, spoiler alert. For this first story that I wanna tell you today, I'm gonna to tell you this is not how the common grocery store fig in America is pollinated. So I'm gonna tell you how classic pollination works, but not grocery store pollination. According to a really insightful article in Sever Magazine, which I'll put in the show notes, 90% of America's figs are the California fig, and they reproduce asexually. So that will become very good news <laughs> once you hear the story I'm about to tell. Actually, we're not going to tell it yet. I'm going to smell and taste the one I got from the table at work really quick, because this is a homegrown fig, and I'm unclear how it's pollinated. So I'm not sure I'm going to want to even try it once I tell the story. So let's just get into it real quick. Let me smell it. Hmm. It's light and fresh very sweet, very mellow, four out of five. This is a very pleasant smell. I would, I don't, I might wear it as perfume or like a, or like a, like I wouldn't mind if my sheets smelled like this, like a sheet spray. I, okay, I've never sprayed my sheets, just to be clear. Like I could imagine getting in a bed that smelled like this because it's just nice or like clean or like pulling them out of the dryer. Or maybe it's like a dryer smell. I also don't use smells in the dryer. I'm making it sound like I use smells everywhere. I really don't. I wear like a perfume that is campfire smell. This is getting weirder the more honest I am. <laughs> okay, I like a perfume that's by, I should get the name of it for you, but it smells like campfire and it smells amazing. The brand is actually Replica. Okay, it's not a fireplace, it's not a campfire, it's a fireplace. It's called By the Fireplace. I'm not repping them or anything. <laughs> I win nothing, but it smells like cozy and like a like a lodge or something. Anyway, it smells really good. I'm way off track here. I like the smell of this thing. It's very nice. We'll go with four out of five on the smell. I'm gonna taste it, and I'm not gonna lie. I know the story I'm gonna tell in a few minutes, and tasting this is a little bit hard for me because it gets a little bit weird. Here we go. The texture is soft, really soft. There are a lot of sensations in this bag of fruits. <laughs> I don't notice the peel very much. It, it's got a little bit, the peel provides a little bit of a dry feel, but I do notice the threads inside, the flower stems, I guess. And every now and then that little hard fruity crunch is really nice. There's so many sensations going on for it being like a single food. It seems more like a little appetizer of textures like you'd put together to create like a balanced bite. I'm going to give this a four out of five. Also, texture's pretty great. Taste-wise... Despite this being, I, okay, so I loved Fig Newtons as a kid, so it's got a bit of a nostalgic taste to me, but this is a grown-up fruit, and by that, I mean it's not very sweet. It's kind of like a very low sugar jam flavor. It's very mild, mellow. 
I mostly want to pair it with something to like perk it up a bit. I don't know, cheese, honey, something like that. On its own, it's fine. I just, I don't, it's neutral. I'm gonna go with three out of five. I have had much sweeter ones. There's a one called the Christmas tree fig that is like 10 times sweeter than this. And I quite loved that fig. That one's really, really good. I don't see that one very often in the market though. There is someone in San Diego who has over 500 varieties of fig. And I did reach out to him, but apparently this has been a bad year for figs in his area. And so there aren't very many figs this year, but maybe we'll have him come on and talk to us about figs at some point because they're fascinating as you will see. I don't mean to scoot past the tasting of the fruit too fast today. I know I normally put it at the end and I really indulge in it. I'm kind of here for the story today. I was looking this up. I didn't know any of this. And I, it's, it's a lot. Some of you may already know this, but I did not know. So in the end, I will also turn this into a metaphor of some kind. We're just going to have to roll with it. Here we go. I got this story from a book that I've had for a really long time. I used to have tons of fruit books, but I trimmed them out a while back. But this one I kept, it's about the sex lives of fruit. It's by Wolfgang Stuppy and Rob Kessler, and it's called Fruit, Edible, Inedible, Incredible. And I'm gonna paraphrase and simplify their description of the fig pollination process as best as I can, because theirs is pretty technical. Um, and I, just want to tell it as a story. So any errors here are my own, although I'm trying really hard to be accurate. Here we go. Each species of the fig family, and there are about ballpark 750 different varieties, has a corresponding fig wasp that pollinates it. So it's a love story of faded mates. This story between the fig tree and the fig wasp specific to it crosses science. It can be tra traced back millions of years and religion because the first named fruit in the Bible, back when Adam and Eve covered themselves in shame with fig leaves, this is not from the book by the way, I just know this, I have a Christian background. The first named fruit is from Adam and Eve. They covered themselves in shame with fig leaves after they ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. So the fig has very deep, deep roots in our world. It also has a lot of symbolism throughout lots of different cultures in the world and I'm not gonna touch on any of those today. Just going to mostly talk about pollination because just that is a trip. This love story is built on mutual respect and care. A single type or variety of fig wasp has been destined to only survive with the support and care of their corresponding fig tree of the same exact variety. And that specific variety of fig tree will not survive without their faded mate, which is their matching variety of fig wasp. I am hooked. How does it work? We start with a pregnant female fig wasp, ready to lay her eggs. She finds her perfect match fig tree. The bulbous, unripe bag of flowers is hanging from the branch and the female wasp enters the little opening on the bottom of the fruit. If you were to set a fig all alone in a bowl at your office, it would be sitting on its special opening, its bottom. The pregnant female wasp enters the bottom hole of the fleshy receptacle. Things are escalating. But remember, she's already pregnant as she enters her fated mate and, in doing so, makes the ultimate sacrifice. Her wings fall off, which means she can never leave. She has now entered the natal care unit where her children will be born 
and the convalescent center, where she will eventually die in her lover's arms, aka the tree. She goes around from flower to flower inside the fig and lays her eggs and at the same time pollinates the flowers as she does so. Then having placed her babies in a safe place and served her lover's tree's life by pollinating its fig, she dies. So now we have a dead female wasp mama inside the fig. This is why I wasn't dying to eat a fig pollinated this way. That said, she's processed by enzymes, so even if you eat one of these, you will not be eating a female wasp carcass. Yay for that. So once pollinated, the little flower provides food for the wasp larvae as they grow. Then the babies start to hatch. Boys first. Now get this. The boys will never, ever leave the fig they are born in. We never have to see them. They have no wings but they have really strong jaws and a singular focus on sex. So they go around and free the female, the female wasps from their ovary confinement with those jaws. And somehow the details of this are a little muddy to me. In the process of freeing the female, they impregnate them. So while the female fig wasp already has her larger faded mate in the tree, she's now had a one-night stand and finds herself immediately pregnant upon birth. Was there consent? I mean, we cannot know. But because all of this is Destin's let go with yes, she consents because it all has to happen in order for her to pollinate the actual love of her life, the only partner who allows her to live, the tree. So now we have a newborn lady wasp, who is immediately pregnant and wants to get out of this place. In some species, the male wasp gnaws holes in the wall of the fig that allows the female to leave. Then they die, having impregnated and freed their lady. How gracious. Good on you, buddy. Some males, though, don't bother with gnawing the holes and they just impregnate and die immediately, leaving their female to find their way out through that fleshy receptacle hole on the fig bottom. So we have a fig full of dead male wasps and the single mama wasp, and the enzymes go to work dissolving all of this. Yay for the cycle of life. Our newly pregnant female needs to find a safe place to leave her beloved's babies. She leaves through one of the holes he gnawed for her, and as she leaves, she gathers pollen from the fig tree she's in so she can fulfill her duty to her long-term fig tree partner in life and goes to find a new tree to deposit the results of her one-night stand. And the cycle begins again. We have got layers of love stories here. The fig wasp and the fig tree mutually supporting each other in a long-standing relationship of mutual care. And we have the male and female fig wasps in a bizarre sex dungeon death spiral. So <laughs> how do we make this? A metaphor and I do want to figure out how to make it one let me back up and explain why so when I first started this podcast my focus was on how slowing down and really engaging with tasting fruit helped me to get to know myself and practice being in the moment connecting with my body figuring out what I like what I don't like what I love I feel really strongly that this is a great foundation for building my capacity for pleasure, happiness, and joy over time. And I still totally believe that, and we will keep talking about that. And as I've been doing these podcasts, 
I've realized how much I value the power of a metaphor that runs through my everyday life and can help me. So we're all familiar with like the amount of messaging the world sends us, right? Marketing, advertising, song lyrics, movies, TV shows, friend groups, families, old wiring that runs through our own brains. I don't know, that villain of like meanness that we all seem to have about ourselves from, from who knows what. Early childhood survival strategies, like all kinds of things just like come at us all day. And we can do a number of things to combat these like often negative aspects of that. We can choose our friends wisely. We can curate our social media content. We can be thoughtful about our media consumption, all those kind of things. But honestly, the onslaught of messaging is still really intense. I haven't read it lately, but the number of advertising messages we see every day, even if we aren't out, like it's over the top. So no matter how much I curate, I repeatedly have to tell Instagram, for example, that I don't want advertising about diets and weight loss or aging serums. I tell them, I'm like, block this. This doesn't apply to me. I get like a few weeks break. And then it's like, oh, but you're a middle-aged woman. Surely you want this. And I'm like, no, I still don't. Thanks so much. So no matter what we do, it's all out there. So my thought is this. If I have limited power to block the messaging coming at me on a daily basis, maybe if I recruit more help in receiving the expected and unexpectedly positive messages that I want from random places, like the produce aisle or even just my refrigerator or whatever, or even let's say I'm watching TV and I see produce. Every time I see grapes, for example, if I've thought enough about what I want it to symbolize for me, I can see grapes and be reminded of how people I know support me and how thankful I am for that. And maybe I see grapes and I'm like, you know what? I wanted to reach out to someone and say, hi, grapes can be an ongoing expected and unexpected reminder of the beauty of community if I like burn that into my brain, right? So I kind of want to because then I don't have to like try so hard. I'm just like, oh, random grapes on TV, right? I love people and they love me. Cool. Like that's like advertising to myself all the time, right? Because I'm applying a metaphor to these things that are in my life and I'm giving, telling them what I want them to tell me. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So if I think back on my episodes so far, here's the messages that I've kind of created. Like if I see a Picasso melon or really any melon at this point, because I rarely see Picasso melons. I can remember that I am always on a journey to know myself better, and it's okay to take my time with that. If I see a watermelon, for example, I can remember that I am allowed to love what I truly love and not love what I do not love, that all of that gets to be mine and everyone else gets to have that too. We get to vary. I can see a cherry. I can remember that I can reclaim words for my own. I can reclaim my stories. I can claim my joy and my happiness at any time time. Or I can simplify that. I see a cherry. I'm just like, oh, joy just popped up for me. I can see a dragon fruit. And I'm like, right. I have an inner dragon that I want to listen to. My inner fire is beautiful and welcome in my world. I don't have to be any smaller than I actually am, even if that's scary. If I see an aprium or even just a plum, which are more common. So until I give a plum a different meaning, they can all represent this. I can be reminded that I've been brave in the past and I can do it again. I can be brave and move toward that next thing I want to do. I can remember, oh, I tried that and it was an unexpected delight. Maybe this other thing I'm afraid of will turn out okay too. 
I can see a rambutan and start to accept more of my own quirks as part of my personal delightful package. So back to today. What do I want to remember when I see a fig? I think I want to remember that I can't always see what's going on inside of other people. They can't always see what's going on inside of me. This story of pollination is crazy nutso. <laughs> like it's cool and weird and I love it. So when I see it, I want to be reminded there's a lot going on or went on in order to get to this point where I get to eat this beautiful fruit. So when I see other people, there may be a beautiful, quiet bloom of flowers inside them that aren't ready to be seen yet. Or maybe they're at the phase where they are pausing on something that's like metaphorically pregnant within them that's been fertilized but isn't ready to be born yet. It could be the complexity of duty in their life or even loss or death of an idea or a dream or a job or a loved one. Maybe inside them that I can't see is a fiery passion, like some the equivalent of this crazy one-night stand that for whatever reason the world will never see or know. When I see a fig, one of the most long-standing historical fruit that we have in this world, I want to remember the beauty of humanity. That everyone around me has a lot going on within them, and so do I. And that's okay. That's all for this week, y'all. I hope that you recruit fruit to be on your team, that you see the magic in it, and that you let it remind you of how amazing you are. Until next time, keep a lookout for the helpers. I apple you. If you find It's Bananas appealing, it would mean a lot to me if you'd plant a seed of support by giving it a five-star rating and hitting that follow or subscribe button on the It's Bananas show page. Be a peach, share a favorite episode with a friend, and reach out to me on Instagram, at Fruit Maven, all one word. 